You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. by the Saints for a touchdown! It's your inside pass to everything Saints football. And the kick is good! We'll take you to places most fans never go. We'll watch from 60. To practice, to the sideline, to the locker room. Following every twist, turn, and touchdown of the Saints season. That is going to be a touchdown! Taysom Hill! Taysom TD! Welcome to Inside Black and Gold. And that is going to be a touchdown again. And guess who? Mike Thomas. Now, here are your hosts, Steve Geller and Jeff Nowak. Oh, baby! Time to go inside Black and Gold. Steve Geller along with Jeff Nowak. And we have big rundown leading into this show. Looking at some mock drafts that not maybe some other NFL analysts have done, but things that Jeff and I went through on the pro football focus simulator getting the first three rounds of the saints draft we'll give to you and also uh, updating on some contract details of some of the saints uh getting some players signed to new deals and also reworking a few contracts yes that's what we're gonna do we're gonna be the ones wrong this time we have our mock drafts our first post senior bowl pre-combine mock drafts they're certainly going to change. We let the simulator do all of the picks that were not the Saints because I'm not going to pretend I know who the Detroit Lions are going to pick, right? Like, so I'm not going to do that to you. But we kind of get a pool of players and then we pick the player we're going to go with and then we go to the next round and we did three rounds. So we're going to go through that in the second segment. We're going to give you each of our picks. But in this first segment, we're going to go through a couple of the things that have happened since we recorded on Monday. One of those things is TJ Jones from State of the Saints podcast. He included us in his top podcasts of the Saints universe or whatever whatever he called it. So I do want to thank him for that. That was really nice of him to do. Appreciate it, TJ. Uh, yeah, go check him out if you haven't already. He does a really good job. Moving on to that, one of the things that did happen this week is the franchise tag window opened. Right, That was on Tuesday where teams could start putting franchise tags on their players. And whenever that happens, you ask the question, okay, are there any Saints players who might be given the franchise tag? It doesn't happen that often. The last, the most recent one was Marcus Williams in the 2021 season, which the Saints used to essentially keep him around for an extra season and then let him walk in free agency. The reason you don't see it employed very often is basically because it's a very expensive way to retain a player on your team. So it's like you would most likely want to hammer out a long-term deal with that guy, but if you can't and you still want to keep him around, as was the case with Marcus, then that's where you end up. But like, for example, 
in order to franchise tag a quarterback, which is like kind of what the Ravens are trying to think about with Lamar Jackson right now, that's a $32.4 million one-year contract. Yeah. So you are not getting a discount. And there's a few options in the in the franchise tag. You can do an exclusive franchise tag, which is the average of the, I believe, the top five quarterback salaries at the position. You could do just a regular franchise tag, which is the average of the top five over the last five years. I believe it might be top 10. I, I always forget. But either way, it's that's the number. That's the 32.4 million. But that allows other teams to negotiate with that player and and sign them to an offer sheet. And if you choose not to match it, then you get two first round picks back. So like that's the difference. Whereas if it was an exclusive franchise tag, no one could come in and negotiate with them at all. Then there's the transition tag, which is a slightly lower number. But it, if someone signs them to an offer sheet and you choose not to match it, then you don't get any compensation. So that's kind of where that is. But either way, so linebackers, you're talking 20.9 million. Wide receiver, 19.7 million. Defensive end, 19.7 million. Defensive tackle, 18.9 million. Offensive lineman, 18.2. Cornerback, 18.1. And safeties, 14.4. 11.3 for tight ends. And then running backs, bottom of the barrel, other than kickers, I guess, 10.1 million. So you kind of establish, okay, well, who are the players that you could use this on? And the names that come to mind first, cornerback Bradley Roby, Defensive tackle, David Onyemata. Defensive end, Kim. I'm sorry, Marcus Davenport. And linebacker, Cade Nellis. Yeah, to me, that doesn't scream that you're, you would franchise any of those guys, in my opinion. I, I, I would hopefully sign Cade Nellis to a long-term deal. That's one to watch for me for this team that I'm curious to see how much he's going to end up commanding after having that breakout season. But other than that, I, I don't really see a a franchise tag guy on the list. I do think bringing back, you know, between Onyemata and Marcus Davenport, I think you'd like to have both, but I think having one of the two brought back is is pretty important for the, this defensive line. And I'm just not sh- sold, obviously, on, on Marcus Davenport as a prospect anymore, but I, I think for what you've invested in him right. – with your, you know, draft wise and time, you know, time scouting development, it, it's really hard to let him go, kind of deal. But I, I mean, we saw we saw a guy like Trey Hendrickson get paid big bucks by the Bengals and leave. But I just I don't see an, a team doing that with Davenport because we just have. There's been the flashes; they just haven't been consistent enough. Yeah, so I think you have until March seventh to put a tag on somebody. Let me okay. double check that. And so, like you mentioned, I think that Caden Ellis is a guy who you want to negotiate a long-term deal with. If you did put a franchise tag on him, it would probably be just to give yourself a little more time to work out that deal. I would be incredibly disappointed if they allowed him to walk in free agency just because you know, you, you develop guys, you want to keep them, right? Absolutely. You don't, You're not developing players for other teams. And if you are, then that's a mistake. The interesting one is Bradley Roby, and it's only interesting to me because you do need depth at cornerback. And so you are going to have to bring in somebody if you let Bradley Roby walk in free agency. And do you think you can do that at a reasonable, reasonable cost? If you don't keep in mind that like, while 18 million sounds like a lot, you are able to work with that number. If you remember, they signed Marcus Williams as about 14 point something million that season. And they were able to restructure it and, convert a good amount of that into a signing bonus. So it's not like, 
oh, you have to clear the cap space and blah, blah, blah. You do initially, but you can recoup it um, by turning a good amount of it into dead money down the road, right? So that's a, that's a part of this equation too. There's always money in the banana stand. <laughs> um, and so like we saw quickly last year how how devastated that position group can get with a few injuries. You were starting Chris Harris in, in meaningful reps. Uh, I think it was against the 49ers last year. You started Chris Harris and yeah. he got called for a pretty pivotal penalty during that game. I think, it, yeah, he got called for a penalty that eliminated Alante Taylor's interception that I think would have been brought back for a touchdown. So, like, if you don't think you can bring in quality defensive back depth, then he's an option. But the guy, I think, if anyone gets it, and I still think it's unlikely you put it on anybody, but if anyone were to get it, it would probably be David Onyemata. And the reason being, he's 30 years old. I don't know if you want to commit a long-term deal to him, but... The defensive interior is probably the thinnest group on the team, and you are also likely losing Kentavious Street in free agency. So even if you load up in the draft, are you com- are you banking on young players to anchor your interior defensive line, or is one more season of David Onyemata at about a $10 million raise worth it? It would also keep him away from Ryan Nielsen in Atlanta, which would be the same argument I would make for Marcus Davenport. I think I made this argument earlier in the off season or maybe later in the season is like you've, you've sunken a lot into Marcus Davenport as you, as you mentioned, yeah. and maybe one just kind of a one season redo of that contract year for both sides would be the best option. And you kind of just bank on, okay, mate, we're going to give him this tag, see what he does. If he comes back to form, which you know, he has the talent to do then great. If he doesn't, it's one season, then you're out the door and, you know, you tried. Uh, so that's my other case. But again, like, I don't think th- this is a team that still needs to clear $46 million against the cap, or maybe it's $35 million now. I can't remember. I don't see it as likely. I think that was interesting, too, because I completely didn't even think about, obviously, Ryan Nielsen come come in trying to take some of these defensive line prospects with him to Atlanta, but that is a huge uh, obvious possibility. And yeah, you mentioned Catavia Street. Um, that's probably a done deal since that's a guy that has followed him since college kind of deal. Yeah, it would be very... If I had to bet on any free agent signing, it would be Ken right Tavia now, Street right. going to Atlanta. <laughs> like it just... It would be weirder if he didn't. But yeah. So we can probably move on from that. So there was there have been two players the Saints have signed thus far. One is backup offensive lineman Calvin Throckmorton, which good depth. Uh, and then Keith Kirkwood. So you're talking about very low level, low level extensions at this point. Yeah, and I think that you know Throckmorton definitely uh, just a an asset in the fact that you know there's going to be injuries along the offensive line, and is so has shown to be someone that's able to fill in. How good though, I guess, is is a big question. Yeah, I, I don't want to see Calvin Throckmorton starting anymore. No, right, right, like. Uh, like he needs to be a last resort option, but in in these past two seasons, he has been a a you know second resort option. I don't know how many how many resorts do you have. It's kind of a weird a weird phrase. How many resorts are there before the last one? I don't know. I guess, but, I guess it depends, right? Yeah, and so you know one of the things you're going to try to figure out now is you're a trying to get under the salary cap, which you're about thirty five point five million away from. After you converted 12.92 million of Ryan Ramchick's salary into a signing bonus, 
which saved you about 10 million against the cap. And then you have reduced Will Lutz's salary by 1.5 million. And it sounds like he's kind of replaced that with incentives, which to me is kind of like, we want to keep you around, Will, but we need to save money on it. So if you do this, this, and this, you'll get your money anyway. But we're kind of banking on, <laughs> yeah, you know, like this, this will save us money out front. And then if you have a great season, you still get your money. But we can only keep you around if we can bet on you having a great season because he was rough last year. And I think potentially moving on from him was a, was a real question this offseason. But I think you got the answer with that, with that move that they're going to end up keeping Will Lutz around for at least one more year. Yeah, and, and sadly, the year even before that, we we went through kicker nightmare with Lutz being injured. And I think these past two seasons, you know, really shines a light on how important that place kicker can be for you. There's plenty of times this season the Saints lost a close game and you could put it on the shoulders of, you know, the kicker, sadly. I'm, I, you know, sad to say, but those close games, that those, those three points come in pretty handy. I almost think that that what happened in the 2021 season when you were without Lutz is what <laughs> saved his job after a rough 2022 season because you know that yes. kicker purgatory <laughs> isn't fun. And so you probably feel like you're, the odds of him bouncing back are better than you plucking a kicker out that's ready to go and you can trust. Like everyone, like even I think I said this late in the season, like Brett Maher, was was fantastic throughout the year. But then the Cowboys got into the playoffs and he missed five extra points. I've never seen anything like it. It's just wild. And they kept throwing him out there. He kept missing. It was it was just the strangest thing. Right, so right. I mean, you, like, yeah, you there's a reason. The PB going go for two already. <laughs> yeah, that was the wild thing is they didn't go for two after he missed five in a row. But he finally he came back. He made a couple kicks and that lost to the 49ers. So you can't you can't put that completely on him. But that was that was nuts. So I mean, like, right. So if your backup option is Brett Maher, I think you're better off hoping that Will Lutz has just that kind of bounce back season was an aberration, and hopefully this year, because like the leg was there. It's not like he couldn't make the kicks. He just missed them, and uh, that, that's the weird thing. Like he hit from sixty yards, and then he missed from sixty three by like an inch. That was still on target, but it was just. You know, unfortunately, yeah. if it was a yard closer, he would have made it. And so, like, his legs not like his, his, the the ability is still there. It's just like his range finder was off. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, that's yeah. That, that'll definitely be a big one. For, you know, a storyline for next season at the start of training camp. And we're trying to you know muster up storylines. It's going to be the you know the a bounce back season definitely for a healthy Will Lutz. I agree. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. 
Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. So by my count, my guess is there are at least five more restructures incoming. Um, Cam Jordan is going to save you 10 million. Marshawn Lattimore is going to save you 10 million. Taysom Hill is going to save you 6.6. Demario Davis is going to save you 5.87. And Tyron Matthews is going to save you 4.37. And the reason all these guys are on that list is because they're people who you're definitely going to have on the roster next year. And probably beyond that. like So those are the players that you don't mind restructuring because you're going to accept dead money, but you're going to be like the dead money is going to start clearing while they're on the roster. Whereas like you could you could uh, restructure Jameis's deal and save $8 million, but you're probably going to cut him. And that's really not going to work for you. You can save $12 million by cutting him at post-June 1st. So I think that's what you do. Um, but it's, it's going to be interesting to see how they get there. Either way, I think you're seeing how quickly chunks get taken out of this cap uh, imbalance. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if by the, by the beginning of March, we're, we're right there. No, that's why every year you see everybody flipping out about how much in the negative the saints are. And then when we get to talk to Mickey, he's always up there smiling coyly saying, yeah, we'll, we'll get things wrapped up and, you know, things will get happening behind the scenes and, Whatever magic they're able to work, it's pretty amusing, though, that on, on how masterfully that they are able to manipulate the cap. I do enjoy the tweets when they come out. Uh, <laughs> I feel like this morning was like Field Yates or maybe Tom Palacero. And so There's I, another the one. conversation <laughs> under the tweet is always the exact same thing. It was like, how long can the Saints keep doing this? And then someone responds, forever. And then they're <laughs> like, what do you mean? And they're like, that's how it works. And then, and then you like go down three tweets. And then it's the same conversation again. And uh, and then it's like someone quote tweeting it saying, wow, what idiots. I can't believe they're doing this. Blah, blah, blah. And then someone responds. It was like, what do you mean? It's the, the way they planned it. And like, yeah, but they should be doing they should be doing what the Bucks are doing and starting Kyle Trask. I'm like, no. <laughs> no. Well, we'll, we'll, we'll see how that goes for Tampa and if that's really their their future road. I mean, you know, and so this is something that I know Nick Underhill talks about a lot is like, yeah, it seems like the Bucks are actively trying to tank. Done it. But like, would you be happy if that was what your team was doing? Like, oh, great. Yeah, we get to we get to hate this football team for a full year because they're not even trying to win. Well, even how, how does a guy, a veteran, established veteran, and I'm not like, I don't like the guy so good for him, but I got someone like Mike Evans, when you're seeing that as like, really, this this is what we're going with this year. Yeah. And I, and like, I've always felt like it's really difficult to train a team to play winning football, but it's really easy to train a team to play losing football. Absolutely. And actively doing that. That's a good way to make a bad team bad. And like, and it's funny cause like the bucks, people are going to point to, to, to the bucks and say they're doing this right. And it's just hilarious to me that Tom Brady choosing you, is how we're it's like the Nets, right? Like when Kyrie Irving and James Harden and Kevin Durant all chose the Nets, the GM was getting a ton of credit. Like he did something right. It's like, no, they told you they were going to play there and you signed them. And that's the same thing the Bucs did. And then those players leave and you're like, well, crap, what are we going to do now? And then we all realize, well, you weren't that good of a GM in the first place because your only recourse is, oh yeah, we'll just start Kyle Trask and see what happens. 
it's silly. I, I find it hard to believe that's really going to be the direction, but yeah, we'll we'll see what happens there. Well, so we want to talk about salary cap hell. Yeah, you know, there's one team that <laughs> is more into the salary cap hole than the Saints, and that will be that is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, a yeah, team maybe. that is not designed to purge the cap the way the Saints are. I mean, they do it. They do it similarly, but they don't. I mean, this isn't a multi-year process the way the Saints do it. Like they're in that hole because they wanted to make it work with Tom Brady. And that's why the Saints were in that hole. But like that was a five-year buildup before it even happened. <laughs> this was a, oh crap, Tom showed up. We got to do this. <laughs> so it's good. It is going to be funny. But if the only team that was reasonably competitive in the NFC South last year is openly tanking, that just gives you more reason to be like, well, yeah, this is our division for the for the taking. Like, all we have to do is put a put a reasonable roster out there and <laughs> win the NFC South. And so, that's kind of where I see it. To me, obviously, and I th- I think you would agree too. The Saints were right there. They just had some really boneheaded, dumbfounded endings to games that cost them probably three victories. I could say, and you know, boom, right there, you're you're a ten win team, obviously. Over the three wins, I would say the. Let's see. Obviously, Buck Week Thirteen. Oh, for sure that that one was just an abomination. Bengals Week Six. Yeah, you felt like they did everything right in that game, and they I ran definitely two hundred and forty yards in that game. I definitely remember scratching my head, going, "Wait a minute, how did we lose this?" Yeah, and then probably Bucks Week Two. Yeah that that one would be the the game and, that they had the best chance to win and lost. Yeah, to me too. The the um, I, I would say that the San Francisco game. There were just, it doesn't seem that way because it was thirteen nothing. But they were they were close to getting in the red zone there a few times and just they had a chance to be competitive <laughs> in that game. I don't think they were that close to winning that game. Like right, I guess they had right a chance there. to be reasonably like one of the reasons the 49ers only had thirteen points because they didn't have to be aggressive whatsoever. Right. So like. I don't, I don't know about that. The Steelers game, I, I I might argue, just because they were tied 10-10 at halftime and the Steelers aren't that good. No, um, but I remember that just being so ugly in that second half. Right, right. Ugh. But, uh, yeah, so. But, I mean, no. the Bucks game, in the third quarter, they were tied 3-3 and they had the ball in the red zone and they fumbled. So, yeah, I would put that on that list. Yeah, I was just saying that the Saints And you win right. either of those Bucks games, you probably win the division. Right. And I mean, you could even look at that game in in London to the Vikings. That's that's a good one too. Um, you led with like five minutes left. <laughs> we were we were pretty good at that last year. Yeah. Anyway, all right. Yeah. The, the last thing that we don't need to talk about that much is there's more Alvin Kamara video out there. We talked about this in the last episode. Um, I don't think it changed things materially from where we were, because like this is the same video that we saw from TMZ in November, just a less grainy version. There was actually a second video that came out in that same post that shows from the reverse angle. And I actually think in the grand scheme of things, knowing what we know, that video actually did absolve Alvin Kamara of one key thing, which was one of the big issues with this beatdown was that not that it was a fight it was that the guy was on the ground and people were stomping on his face and what the reverse angle shows you is 
while he was involved in the fight, he basically stopped and picked up his phone and walked away. And the people he was with went to town. And so it kind of makes you, it's like one of the reasons that this whole thing is annoying to me is, is Alvin Kamara the worst offender here? Or is he just the guy with the most money? Because there are people that were stomping on this man's face. But all we hear about is Alvin's involvement. Yeah, and the limousine video that came out is just dirty, yeah. man. That's 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 hard to see. Obviously, Alvin making comments about him hitting the guy in the face pretty good. And well, he did. Right, right. And so, like... It's just a bad look of him, obviously, quote-unquote, bragging about it afterwards. Yeah. It's not good for him. But, like, the felony part of this is, like, the substantial bodily harm part. It's not getting in a fight in a, in a, in a nightclub, which happens all the time. Right? And so, if I'm, if I'm as lawyer i'm saying the bodily harm was not caused by him getting a couple punches thrown at him by one person it was caused by this group that's what i would argue i'm not a lawyer um obviously because i'm here on a thursday at 2 p.m i I will say if camara's defense team from what we're hearing is going for the the quote-unquote self-defense you know angle that's that's pretty hard to to convince anyone in that video yes but there the, the other thing that's annoying to me is there still is no footage of like the actual beginning of this engagement like the videos both of them i mean the one from the bathroom angle the the bathroom hallway angle it actually goes longer but you can't see it and so like yes we see the end but we have no idea whether it was started by anything in particular which is annoying because that video must exist because the cops have seen it Anyway, all right. That's not, we got a little off track there. Um, but we're going to come back. We're going to talk about the mock drafts. Mock that. We're going to start with Steve's because we want to get the one that's really wrong out of the way first. <laughs> I'm not going to disagree. All right. Keep it locked on Inside Black and Blue.